is brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope and help to those lost in addiction. Rich and Susan are a husband and wife team who found grace and freedom from 20 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. They broke free from their bondage 15 years ago and are here to share their experience of God's power in recovery. God can change lives. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. Susan, last time we talked about heading a different direction in our lives. What are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about erasing errors in our lives. That's right. And today, we will hopefully answer some of the questions that come up as to how we can begin erasing errors in our lives by giving ourselves to God. Susan, would you open today's program with a word of prayer? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you once again for this wonderful opportunity that we have to come and speak about your goodness and about your willingness to create in us a new heart and to make us new people and to erase those things in our lives that have have kept us in bondage. And now we just pray that you will send your spirit to be with us and to guide us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that you're constantly heading where God wants you to go? Or do you sometimes veer off course, only to cry out to God once again for help? Let me tell you a story. On, in uh, 2004, on November 9th in Walnut Creek, a petroleum pipeline carrying gasoline to San Jose was struck by a backhoe used by a contractor operating in the construction of a water pipeline for the East Bay Municipal Utility District. A massive gasoline spill was subsequently ignited, resulting in an explosive fireball that caused the deaths by burns of four workers and one supervisor and the severe injury of five others. A worker had misread an as-built plan and had incorrectly marked the pipeline's route before the accident. The phrase as-built in construction is equivalent to as-is. Drawings deemed as-built are drawings that show the existing conditions as they are or as-is. These are the actual existing conditions as opposed to designs or proposed conditions which are more common for the content of drawing. In other words, what had really happened? What had happened was back in 1958 a company put that gas line in and they were going along according to plan but the plans did not show a giant redwood tree where there was a giant redwood tree so what the company did was they rerouted the pipeline around the redwood tree years went of course and they documented this and these are the as-built plans years later we come up to 2004, the redwood tree is gone, yet the pipe is still rerouted. So these guys come along, and they're digging a water line now right next to this pipeline. And 
one of the gentlemen misread the as-built plans and the location to where this pipe was rerouted. He didn't think they had got it to it yet. There was no tree. There was no evidence that the pipe was rerouted where he was at, and they dug right into the pipe. You know, folks, that can happen to us too. In fact, the Bible is actually an as-built plan. It's actually a documentation of how God had plans for people and how they did not follow those plans, and so God documented that. And every time that God would try to get them going in one direction according to plan, they would fail, reroute, and God would document that again. And, it, and, and, and actually, in actuality, you also are an as-built. God has plans for you. But many times in our lives, we reroute. We go around things that, that scare us. We go around and we hide from things that trouble us. And when we do that later on in life, even though that, even though that instance or that occasion may not arise itself in a while, even though that may not come up, the way we ran around that problem, we may go around that problem again, not turning to God, just going around it and running from it. Right. I know that when um, I was deep in my addiction, I always thought that I deserved to have the life that I had. I never, I didn't know who God was. I didn't understand that he had a plan for me. And it wasn't the plan that, that I was executing in my own life. He, he, I was created in order to have life and have it more abundantly. But I thought it, that I was doomed to death. And I think that a lot of times, even if you're not an addict, it, we sometimes feel like we're doomed, even if we're, if we're suffering, you know, when we feel maybe we're not under God's blessing or we suffer with physical problems or, or medical issues or whatever it may be, we don't recognize um, that God's plan for our lives is to be a healthy, happy, joyous life. Yeah, and it, it, what does it say about God that he's willing to, and that's what he's documented in the Bible— that he's willing to sweep up the broken glass every time that we make a mistake and take us where we're at again and help help us to move on with our lives even though we've made a mess of things over and over. Even as Israel throughout that Bible made a mess of things over and over, God swept up that broken glass and started over with them over and over. And that's what he's willing to do for you and that's what he's willing to do for us over and over. And what does that say about God? You know, that's what the Bible is about. It's it, it's not so much about Davids and Goliaths and Cains and Abels. It's about how God can make a good situation out of bad ones, how we reroute our life around him. And, and how he meets us where we're at, even though it's nowhere it, where he expected exactly. us to go to begin with. And he with. just continually does that. See, because... We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. Right. We are the sum total of our life's successes and failures because memories of those experiences are what's in our brains. The as-builts. That's right. So therefore, we see things through our own, our own lenses, how we experienced them. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. So how are you? Have you made mistakes? See, and that's how you're going to see things. See, I see things through a different lens than Susan does. 
And with both of us, with our back experiences, we balance ourselves out quite well in our day-to-day lives. But sometimes navigating through day-to-day life by myself without my wife, it can be difficult because she does see things a little bit different than I. And we complement each other and we use ourselves very well in that regard. And see, that's how when, when we're looking at the mistakes that we've made in our lives, God says, you need to see yourself through my lenses. Right. You know, you look at look at yourself, look at your life through through the way that I see you. And we have plenty of, of documentation in the Bible that 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 God adores us and he desires the very best for us. And that's what we have to remember. So let's talk about mistakes. Have you have we dealt with the mistakes that have happened in their in our lives? There can come a time in everyone's life. Maybe there's times more than once when a person will say to him or herself, I have clearly wronged others and I owe it to myself to God and to them to right those wrongs wherever possible. You see, everybody does make mistakes. Everybody's got their own ass built up there. Wasn't God's plan, but they're up there. God wants to erase those. He not only wants to erase them, but from now on, he wants to replace them. And today and quite possibly next week, we'll talk about this uh, erasing and replace. Right. Last week we learned that we were heading in a new direction and now we are going to let God influence God's influence into our life. Right. Now see the best way to do this is to spend more time where? In God's word. In God's word. And to follow those instructions given there. Today we will learn God's method of erasing and replacing. It's sort of a way to free us up from carrying around all the excess mental baggage that will do nothing but harm us. Right. Abraham Lincoln said, I shall I shall try to correct errors when shown to be errors. I shall adopt new views so fast that they shall appear to be true views. Right. So fast as they shall appear to be true views. So, Susan, where do we find the truth? And the Bible. In the Bible. You know, King David in the book of Psalms actually asks something to God point blank. What does he ask him? In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, it says, Examine me, O God, and know my mind. Test me and discover my thoughts. Find out if there is any evil in me and guide me in the everlasting way. Why is he asking God to examine him? Because our minds are fickle. Our mind, if, we, if I examine myself, especially if I compare myself to other people, I don't feel that I look that bad. I can actually um, make myself look better. But see, when the Bible examines us, there's the truth, there's reality right in the face. Right. We have the standard that, um, that no, that, that's not the human standard. It's the heavenly standard. It's the spiritual standard. And so it's, you know, it, it, it um, speaks uh, logic to our minds that want to cover things up or right. things see, or to justify see. our own behavior or whatever and of course we're real good at doing that correct see if we read the bible prayerfully with an open heart the word of god will speak to each of us on an individual basis it would tell us things about ourselves and quite possibly things that we never knew existed so let's talk a little bit about righting wrongs because there is so much um, to be said about having a clear conscience. There's so much to be said about uh, doing right because it is right and making amends and all these types of things. 
So let's talk about this uh, assuming responsibility, making apologies. Assuming responsibility for our past and current unacceptable behavior will melt the guilt and pain that we carry around from that behavior. And ultimately, it will free us from those thoughts that tend to pull us away from God. The Bible puts it this way in Matthew 5.24, Go at once and make peace with your brother. wonder why the Bible tells us to do that. See, we all know what apology is. It's an expression of sorrow or guilt over having said or done something that is recognized to be hurtful or damaging, and it's a request for forgiveness also. But we also know it can be really hard to swallow our pride and say, I'm sorry. Here we learn the difficult task of making amends for mistakes that we've made or for repairing the effects of our, say, angry words or hurtful words or whatever. Once you say a word, you can't get it back. It goes off forever. You Mm -hmm. cannot reel it. It's not like a fishing lure. You just can't reel it back in and put it back in the tackle box. Words are forever once they come out. What does it mean to apologize, Susan? It means to express remorse for something, to say that you're sorry for something that has upset or inconvenienced someone else. Now, see, um, I'm a trained professional at that. At least I was. Hopefully I'm getting better at that. A Uh, trained professional at Upsetting and inconveniencing somebody else you know back when i first got clean and sober susan i'd come home from work and susan say did you have a good day or a bad day today was a good day i only apologized one time bad days would be apologizing three or four times uh the days have gotten better and better as the years have gone by but it's it's hard to unlearn the way that you deal with problems and how you harm people by your words and and have not much regard that uh, they've got a life and they've got things going on too in their lives and when you just uh, I think a lot of it has to do to recognize that we're not the center of the universe this this took me a long time to understand that I was not the center of the universe my wife still um, has to remind me of that because <laughs> yeah therefore a long time my view that was my view I everything revolved around me very self-absorbed that's the way it is. So let's look at w- what it takes to apologize. Let's look at 10 steps of an apology. The first step is we need to determine what went wrong. In other, in other words, did you say something insensitive, no matter how true it is? Did you fail to come through on a promise? Now, um, I'm going to be tiptoeing around some of this apology stuff with my wife here because um, I don't want to have to apologize after the radio program but see sometimes I don't know that I've hurt her or said something bad for maybe a day maybe four hours and all of a sudden there's these eggshells that I start walking on and uh, I'm not getting too funny of look now but really finally when it comes down I, I, I say okay what happened what where did I go wrong um Last night when you said this, that, or the other thing, it hurt me. And from then on, the, the kettle starts boiling, but I don't, I don't know that the kettle's boiling too much until it starts rattling the lid, and then finally... So it finally blows its then top. It finally blows its top, but it's blowing its top about something that, that I, I had totally forgotten about or didn't realize many times that I had done. And then everything that I've said since then has been, you know, would be a problem... 
because uh, I'd be walking on eggshells. Anyway, I'm getting funny looks over here, so I don't want to... <laughs> okay. There's no funny looks. There's no funny looks, she no. says. Second, take full responsibility <laughs> without sharing the blame with anybody else and without presenting long, drawn-out explanations. Ah, <laughs> see, now, that's another thing. When gentlemen, especially, when you apologize... It's your fault, but this is true. When you're when you're making apology, you know I have. There's about oh anywhere from five to thirty people that work for me at any given time, depending on the workload. And when someone calls in sick, I know when they're not sick is when they call and they start giving these long, drawn out excuses. When a guy's sick, he calls in. He says, "I'm not going to be there today. I'm sick." And click, he hangs up the phone. It's not even like. It's not, he's not even trying to explain. But when someone's going through, yeah, I was up at 2 in the morning doing this, and I'm thinking, this might be a little bit different than just sickness. Maybe it was something else or whatever. But anyway, without presenting out long, drawn-out explanations, because when you've done something wrong, you've done something wrong. Right. We take the respon- We bear the responsibility, whatever it may be. That's right. So third, we need to realize that there are no excuses. There are no... Don't try to think of one or offer one. An apology with an excuse is not an apology. Kimberly Johnson says, never ruin an apology with an excuse. Has anybody ever uh, apologized to you yet said if you hadn't reacted that way, then I wouldn't even be apologizing now because this would have never happened. Right. See, so in other words, I've seen that happen. I've heard it happen before. Someone goes to apologize to someone else, and then they say, you know, but you, but. Had, you, had, yeah, but you had a part in it too. That's not an apology because now you're deflecting the blame back on the person that you're apologizing. An apology is accepting blame, period, because you're only responsible to keep your side of the street clean. And in apologies, you go to the person, you tell them what your exposure it was on it, and that's it. You're not responsible, and definitely don't say if they hadn't have done this, you wouldn't have done that. Right. That, that doesn't work that way. So fourth, you need to decide when to apologize. This is crucial, too. See, sometimes apologies, apologizing immediately after your mistake is best, but sometimes not. And you all, you have to kind of judge that because sometimes someone won't even accept an apology because they are uh, so upset. And, you know, maybe you need to stay clear right then. And he's looking at me. I think he's in referring to, to me. Oh, maybe. yeah. Sometimes I got it. There's got to be a cool down period for, for my wife sometimes. I know that. Uh, why bother? Why bother going down that hallway right now? I but need to wait a little you bit. You need to clarify how many times a year does that happen? Oh, you uh, times a year, you could count it on one hand. All right. Yeah. No. We, huh? What, <laughs> well, now why are you looking at me funny? I thought it was less than that, but no. Well, no, you could yeah. count on one yeah. hand. So right. anywhere from one to three, maybe. I don't know. We're getting awful personal now. <laughs> yes. No, we we're getting much better than it used to be. Yes, yeah. much better. Uh, number five, write down, write your apology down. Construct a letter to the person you're apologizing to, rehearsing what you'll say in person, because sometimes our emotions will take over, and we want to be clear about the points that we want to make. And, I mean, it sounds kind of mechanical. It sounds maybe a little bit uh, insensitive to do that, but 
Have you ever noticed when you write a letter or even when you write an email how careful you are with the wording and whatnot and you get it all just right? Because when you hit send, you can't get it back. And so you want to make sure that you're uh, that you've got all the points in there that you that you need to have in order to do this. Right. So six, we want to begin the apology by naming the wrongdoing. That is uh, very crucial too. Be specific about the incident so that they know exactly what you're apologizing for. And one time I went up to a guy to apologize to him and he looked at me all funny. And finally, by the time I got done explaining it to him, he said, I got thicker skin than that. I don't even realize what you did. See, so you you need to be specific about the incident, even though and you you may think you've hurt someone. Be very clear about what you're talking about, as to not. Uh, that's probably one of the good reasons why you might want to apologize sooner than later, if possible, because you might be carrying this around with you a long time, and somebody exactly. else might not even know it. That's right. Seven. Make amends. Make amends. Think about what caused you to make the offense. Are you taking frustrations out on others? Whatever it is, whatever, do you have character defects and things that you're working on? And what caused you to make them is key. And you can even, you can share that with that person. Eight, express your gratitude and appreciation for the role that they play in your life. Ask if they'll give you another chance to make up for what you did wrong. You know, uh, like, okay, I'm just going to apologize, walk away, and that's it, and never see you again. No, that you're concerned about what you did wrong hurt them, and that you want another chance to make it right. Number nine. Number nine. Be patient. Be patient. If an apology is not accepted, thank them for hearing you out. Don't make your apology conditional on their forgiveness. Correct. You're only responsible for your side of the street to keep it clean. Because if you do that, you'll be set up for failure. You may walk away. If someone doesn't forgive you immediately and you walk away, you may be saying, well, that no good. I can't believe they did not forgive me. Well, that... We're only responsible for our own actions. That's right. That's right. And and so you, you can't allow the, somebody else's behavior to affect... Uh, your apology or your sincerity or what you want to accomplish with getting right with them. That's right. Uh, number 10, carry out your on your promises. Right. A true apology entails a resolution. In other words, if you say it will never happen again and you're going to take this step, this step, and this step to prevent that, take this step, this step, and this step to prevent that. Because if you're really sincere you will not want to do it again and there have to be it, there has to be a resolution and that resolution can be talked about you know and it can be shared you know apology is the super glue of life it has been said it can repair just about anything and you know a lot of times uh a, i think the majority of times apologies not only um, mend a relationship, but it, it mends the individual that's making the apology. It does. It does. And I don't know, sometimes you don't think that it affects you that bad, much when you're thinking about someone that you haven't, that, that you're not squared up with. You, something, you've done something wrong and you justify your behavior or you say they'll get over it or uh, I don't think I hurt them that bad. But it's running around in your mind over and over and it's affecting you and it's doing damage and it's it's causing you to avoid situations it's causing you probably to avoid them and all of this takes effort and a lot of times we don't have that much effort to live through life to do all these go through all these gyrations because uh because all we would simply have to do is go apologize empty the baggage 
Mental baggage is hard. Walking around with mental baggage makes life hard to live. And that's why Jesus says, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's why. Because Jesus encourages us to do things right. And when we do things right, we don't pack around mental baggage. And when we do things wrong, we clean it up. And if we clean it up, the sooner we clean it up, the better. And then it just makes life so much easier to live. You know, we uh, just want to thank everybody who's been listening and contacting us through our, our our website and through our phone number and for all the other people who have supported us as we're uh, doing these programs. It's been a great response, and we love to hear from you, whether it's a prayer request or uh, if you'd like us to come speak at your church, please contact us at www.justasiamministries.org. Okay, and next week we'll continue our discussion on erasing errors in our lives. Remember, folks, there are only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle, and the other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? to choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity and being overrun with the devastation of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials and have created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Book for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916 916- 645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com as a nonprofit. They are blessed by people like you. 916-645-1297 or www.justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.